Recorded by The Way in Brea. Lead pastor Von Jarrett has a heart for the people at The Way and a desire to reach the lost. The Way's production department prays this message is a blessing to you and that you find yourself closer to God through application. Gary, good morning, everybody. Hey, uh, since we're not in the world, we don't say Happy Friday. We say Happy Sunday. Amen. Amen. I'm um, excited to be here. I got uh, a lot to share with you, um, but before we go through that, um, real quick, how many of you know our <clears throat> theme scripture for the church? Um, not entirely. What we, what we put on the app, what we put on the website, um, that one relates to the church and the way, absolutely. And we use it often, Joe, so uh, not a wrong answer. Anybody else? I'm just reminded by not only seeing the pictures and seeing the testimonies and hearing all the announcements, um, you may not see it uh, physically, but God's doing something super special, not only in this church, but in the lives of everybody. I mean, we're living out what God's called us to do. Um, real quick, I'm going to share our, our mission or, or, or our statement that's on, our, on the website, and you can also find it on the, on the app. The Way is a Christian church full of real people doing real life together with a biblical worldview. We believe in the power of God to save, transform, restore, and reconcile the lives of men and women together through Jesus Christ. Just that first sentence describes everything that we just talked about, about the kids going out into the world and to knots, about, you know, what Gary kind of mentioned, <laughs> putting my business out there where the neighborhood threw us a barbecue. You know, I'm, I'm reminded that um, I'm very grateful and, and I'm humbled to be used by God in church. And I see the effect that God has through me in church. But I rarely see it um, outside in a group. So yesterday I was telling Gary, I said, I mean, it was cool. I mean, this was the world celebrating a Christian moving. You know what I mean? I mean, they were like, hey, thanks for always babysitting. Thanks for helping with my sprinkler system. Thanks for doing this. Thanks for doing that. I mean, it was, it was kind of cool. So I'm reminded that, and it's not just me, but if you hear the testimony of, of the kids and the youth and Vanessa and, and 31 Status and the ministries, we're 
we're a, a real group of people doing real life together. And that's what we're called to do. So if you're not familiar with, with the rest of it, um, I'll finish the first paragraph, but I encourage you, get on the app, get on the website, and look at what we believe, and I'll share with you the scripture um, that God put on our pastor's heart for this church. Um, but And reconcile the lives of men and women through Jesus Christ. We understand that living in this world presents daily challenges to serving God, but we believe the community known as the church is one of God's provisions for endurance. Somebody say amen. amen. The scripture is 2 Corinthians 13, 14. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. Amen. That's our scripture. That's our... That's like our mission statement. You know, everybody's got a, when you go to work and in the lunchroom, you got a mission statement, you got safety, you got this. That's, that's our mission statement. That's what we do. We're real people doing lives together, living through Christ. So I was just excited in regards to the announcements. Um, and it just reminded me uh, that, the, that God's doing a lot. Um, as you could see, I'm filling in for... for for pastor, um, they're doing a lot of things this weekend. They're celebrating their anniversary, um, celebrating Nene's birthday. You know, Mary's birthday was a week ago. Mother's Day was a week ago. So they're doing everything in one weekend. And this is the weekend they're doing it. So uh, pray for them. Uh, but it's wonderful that the church can allow the pastor to enjoy his family, to enjoy his first calling, if you would. Amen. Um, real quick before we get into what I believe God has for us um, this morning, I want to share a, uh, a quick video and then we'll get started. Amen. Amen.
Amen. Amen. Give, give a round of applause to old Blue Eyes. Can you turn me down a bit? Um, if you haven't noticed, uh, the title of my message is God's Way or My Way. We are, um, can you turn me down just a hair, Isaac? We are in week three of our series, A New Way Forward. And just to recap, uh, week one, Pastor Vaughn had shared a new wine and he, he, he talked about having some of those mountaintop experiences and coming down and having impact um, into the world. Um, a new wine, a new way forward is, is, is going to challenge each and every one of us in a different way. He also talked about God being the only thing that should be, that claims to stay the same and that is true. When the Bible tells us that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, it's not referring to any one of us. A new way forward is we have to change. We have to start doing things God's way. We have to enjoy a new wine. Week two, he talked about it was a, a, a mix of a Mother's Day service, but also a, a new dream. And he, and he referenced, you know, the three R's, to realize, to request, and to relaunch. Doing things different as we move a new way forward. Um, I had shared with, uh, with Pastor about, about the video I wanted to share, and he started chuckling. He says, please don't bring any props. I said, listen, I know you're the only prop man here, so trust me, I'm, I'm not getting dressed up. I might just share a little video. He's like, okay, good. Don't, don't take away my glory. I said, I gotcha. I gotcha. But God's way. Whenever we face a challenge in life, every single one of us, whatever it may be, have two ways to respond. You can respond God's way or you can do it your way. Amen. Now, Frank Sinatra has said he did it his way. And many of us are in a situation today because we did it our way. And I wonder, uh, God gave me a lot to talk about, but it, it, it's amazing because how many of you believe God is omnipotent? Amen. How many of you believe that God is all-knowing? Amen. Way to do it with pride, Jacob. Amen. That's what I'm talking about. How many of you believe that God is all-knowing? Omnipresent. Amen. The Alpha and the Omega. Amen. Yet very few of us do it God's way. How crazy is that? We are all confessing. That we believe that God was there in the beginning, is going to be there at the end, knows the beginning from the end, omnipotent, omnipresent, ever-knowing, all-knowing, the same yesterday, today, and forever, but very few of us do it God's way. In spite of those facts, in spite of our belief. This week's word, I believe, is, is for me. Because I'm no different than you. I just got a cordless mic. That's all. I believe that this week's word is for the church, for the community, for the congregation, and for you. Amen. Each and every single one of you. I can assure you that you can look at your life right now and say, I remember the days where I did it God's way. And I remember the days I've done it my way. 
And if you truly look back and take inventory upon your life, and the pastor tells the elders all the time, listen, you got to look back and you got to learn from, we got to learn from this and we can't, we can't schedule this and this. And he's always challenging us to look back and, and kind of take inventory so we do things differently, a new way forward as we take inventory in the past and maybe move from my way to God's way. You can call my way the three lanes on the freeway. God's way is the carpool lane. I'm not saying it. I just, just thought about it the way the sign looks, right? It takes effort to get to the carpool lane. It takes effort to get into God's, God's avenue. I mean, there's a solid white line. There's only a certain times where you can get in and get out. And don't kid yourself. I know some of you guys go in and out like nobody's business. <laughs> Got tinted windows and you're like, oh, I'm cool. Let me lay back. Let me lay the passenger seat back so nobody sees. Hmm. God's, God's way and our way. It's never a wise thing to do anything our way, especially as Christians. We don't understand the future. We rarely understand the present. And we certainly don't always live from the past. Or learn from the past. I'm challenging you this morning to change the way you think and to do things a new way. I believe that each and every one of us completely understand that the earth is the Lord's footstool and that He understands and sees everything, loves us unconditionally has a future and a plan for us. And we need to heed his word when it comes to his way. Amen. The Bible tells us in Jeremiah 29, 11, RJ's got a, a writing of it. We were just talking about writings this morning. But RJ's got that on him. Uh, Jeremiah 29, 11. The Bible says, For I know the plans that I have for you. Thanks, Isaac. That I think toward you says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Man. The Bible's telling us that God knows what's best for us, but we still want to do things our way. Should we pray now or after? Let's pray now. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for this opportunity. I thank you for every heart that's here. I ask that these hearts would be fertile and, and, and would um, hold on to the seed, Father God, that the thorns wouldn't choke it out, that the sun wouldn't scorch it, Lord, that we would learn, we would understand, and we would ask for your wisdom, your strength, your knowledge, and your encouragement to get out of our own way and to get it into your way, Lord. I'm praying over the word. I'm praying for every heart, Father God. And I'm praying, Father, that, that you'd speak to each and every one of us, including me, Lord, especially me. Our pastors, Father, I pray that you watch over them. Mary, the kids, Lord, you keep them safe. And as we all go our separate ways, Father God, that this, that this word would, would, that you would water it and that it would, it would uh, flourish and sprout and blossom into our lives. I ask that you have your, your hand over my tongue, my thoughts. And I just pray over every single heart here. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. 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 So, Jeremiah 29, 11 talks about God knowing what's best for us. And he tells us 
that I have a future for you. I have plans for you. Something that will give you peace and, a, and hope for the future. Each one of you have got a pen in the back of the seats either in front of you. I would suggest that you write this down. When we do things our way, it's almost like a 3D experience. We, we struggle. We see it. We sense it. All of our senses are... are are um, engaged in it and we're doing things our way and when that happens think of it as a 3D experience the first D is delay when you do things your way there will be a delay a delay in your hope a delay in your future and a delay in your favor Psalms 40:17 says, "But I am poor and needy, yet the Lord thinks upon me. You are my help and my deliverer. Please, Lord, do not delay, O oh my God." When you do things your way, there will be a delay. Whether it's a family, a life partner, finances, faithfulness, fruitfulness, favor, future, whatever you can think of, if you do it your way, there's going to be a delay. Period, point blank. Not my words, but the words of the Lord. The other thing that happens when you do things your way, the other D, we're talking about a 3D experience when we do things our way, is destruction. Man, you think you know it all. You think you've experienced it all. You're at an age where, where I don't know, maybe you're a millennial and you think you know it all. Whatever the case may be. Nothing against millennials, but we had a long conversation in our barbecue yesterday about millennials. Whatever the case may be, your 3D experience, when you do it your way, your second D is destruction. Destruction will come your way if you do things your way. Proverbs 10.29 tells us this. The way of the Lord is strength for the upright, but destruction will come to the workers of iniquity. Truth be told, if you're not doing it God's way, you're out of God's will. Can somebody say amen? amen? And if you're out of God's will, you're living in iniquity by default. Remember, sin, the definition of sin is missing the mark. If you're not on the mark, you're outside the mark, so you're living in sin. Whether it's willful or not, destruction will come. That's what this verse is talking about. The last D that will occur if you live in your way is you will create distance. You will create distance between other believers. You will create distance certainly away from the Lord. In Mark 14, 54, Peter followed him at a distance. This is right before he denies knowing Jesus. At a distance, right into the courtyard of the high priest, and he sat with the servants and warmed himself at the fire before he gets called out. When you're outside of God's will and you're doing things your, your way, you will create distance. That's your 3D experience. When you do things your way, there will be delay, there will be destruction, and you will create distance. That's tough to swallow because for many of us, we've experienced all three in our lives, delay, destruction, 
and distance. And it's hard to come back from that. It's very difficult. There's one thing that you cannot regain in this world, and that's time. So if you delayed your experience, if you've delayed your future, if you have delayed your promise, if you have delayed God's favor and anointing on your life, your marriage, your kids, if you have been the cause of that, it's very hard to get back. And it's only by God's grace and favor that he can get it back to you. Amen. It's tough when you have to rebuild something that you have destructed because you've done things your way. You know, many of us, it's like, you know, Burger King, have it your way. Everything's got to be your way. Everything's got to be your way. Man, God doesn't operate that way. I'm telling you right now, if there's one thing I've experienced, not only in my walk, but in this church and in serving in ministry, God does not operate that way. First and foremost, God will use the most craziest things to profound the wise, and the Bible tells us that. The foolish things to profound the wise. He will use crazy things just to show the world, it's me that's in control. So don't kid yourself if you have to rebuild the destruction that you've caused. God could do it. But you've caused destruction. And then distance. Distance is tough. Some people get so far away from the Lord. You know, the psalmist said it, turn your ear towards me, that, that the Lord just turns his ear to a hardened heart. You've gotten so hard, you're not even listening, and you're not even convicted anymore by the Holy Spirit, that God turns his ear. Literally, God can turn his ear from us. Because of the distance we create. Those are your three Ds. When we do things God, God's way, don't worry, there's hope. You don't have to be somber. When we do things God's way, and I'm going to share a couple of scriptures and illustrations of people who've done it both ways. But when we do things God's way, a new way forward, if we do things God's way, here's what you get. You get freedom. The Bible tells us in John 8, 32, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Put that in your wallet. When you do things God's way, you will have freedom. Freedom of what? Just freedom. Amen. When God gives you something, it is freedom. Freedom from anxiety, freedom from stress, freedom from, from finances, freedom from pain, freedom from uh, you know, um, anxiety about the future, whatever the case may be. When you do things God's way, there is freedom in it. And it is priceless. Absolutely priceless. John 8.33 says, They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say that we will be made free? It's only by the word of God. When we do things God's way, there's freedom, there's fruitfulness, Romans 6.22 says, But now having been set free from sin, now having freedom, Romans 6.22 says, Now being set free from sin, now having freedom, when we do God's way, number one, we have freedom. Now that you have freedom, and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. 
You see the order? Can you see where I'm going? So when we do things God's way, we have freedom. And when freedom comes, we're free from sin and we're bond slaves to Christ. And with that is fruit of holiness and everlasting life. There's a reason Pastor Vaughn talked about on Wednesday. What comes first, church? Righteousness or holiness? I don't know how to impersonate him. I don't know. What comes first, church? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Say, tell me. <laughs> there you go. That, that I know he does. Righteousness. Righteousness in Christ, which gives us freedom, then peace comes. Why? Because you have hope for the future. You should be able to live in peace right here, right now, because you know that your future has been decided. Mm. When you do things God's way, you have freedom, fruitfulness, and a future. Shared the scripture 29.11 of Jeremiah, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Jeremiah 31, 17 says, There is hope in your future, says the Lord, that your children shall come back to their own border. Scripturally speaking, when you do things God's way, there is freedom, there is fruitfulness, and there's a future. So now that you've written those down, I'm going to share with you a couple examples. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 4, verse 1. Not see. Isaac, can you turn off these spotlights? Thanks, bud. I'm getting old. I can't see my Bible. Not in this light. Genesis chapter 4, verse 1. We're going to read through 16. And this is uh, a story about Cain and Abel. And I am certain that you will clearly see what lane Cain and Abel are in and what we can learn from it. Genesis chapter 4, starting at verse 1. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Abel was the younger brother. Now Abel, were, Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering. Okay, before I go on right now, I'm going to tell you God's not a vegan. He refused Cain's offering of vegetation and took Abel's offering of a lamb. I'm telling you right now. If pastor was here, I would tell him. I'm just joking. But 
we really don't know why. Uh, we do know why, but it doesn't clearly tell us uh, why God initially refused Cain's offering. We understand. I think you could turn those spotlights back up. I'm not going to use uh, my bubble. Um, is because of his willful, um, willful ways of sinning, and he he was just living living wickedly. And later on in Genesis, it tells us that. But let me continue in verse 5. But he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why is your countenance falling? If you do well, you will not be accepted. And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And its desire for, is for you, but you should rule over it. Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the fields that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. And the Lord said to Cain, where's Abel, your brother? He said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. So now you are cursed from the earth, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you till the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. A fugitive and a vagabond, you shall be on this earth. And Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Can somebody see destruction? Can somebody see delay? Hmm. Surely you have driven me out this day from the face of the ground. I shall be hidden from your face. I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond on the earth. And it will happen that anyone who finds me will kill me. And the Lord said to him, Therefore, whoever kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark on Cain, lest anyone finding him should kill him. Then Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. Can anybody see distance? You saw delay, you saw destruction, and now you're seeing distance because Cain wanted to do it his way. There's a lot happening in this, in this scripture. Not only is this the first murder recorded in history, this is the first offering recorded in history. And ironically, the first offering recorded in history is the first one refused in history. Man, when you do it your way... You will have delay, destruction, and distance. This was the first recorded offering. And God wasn't pleased with it. And because of his sinful ways, Cain was responsible for the first recorded murder. Cain's sacrifice marks the first mention of any offering to the Lord, and ironically, the first refusal of an offering to the Lord. This Hebrew text of offering at this time suggests that this was a free will offering to a person of authority. Cain understood who God was and who he is, and still wanted to do it his way. It brought delay, destruction, and distance. I cannot tell you 
or say it enough. I started off by saying, regardless of the situation or the circumstance you're in, there's always two responses. One is do it your way, and the other is do it God's way. I've only shared with you one example of doing it your way and what happens. Historically, I mean, this is, this is, a, big, this is a big deal. This should, you, we should learn from some of this stuff. We should understand that sometimes you come in here and your offering is not appropriate to the Lord. You may come up with the tenth and drop it off in your slot, but the, the heart, the, the willingness, the, the spirit of the way you dropped off your offering is not approved by God. Sometimes says, God says, man, you've been here four years. I want more than just your offering. When are you going to volunteer? When are you going to raise up to, to help the cleaning ministry? When are you going to step up and chaperone at the youth? And here we come to, the, come to the Lord with an offering that gets rejected. You want a new way forward? You got to do things a new way. You got to do it God's way. Some of us are so busy in our life, we rarely stop and, and say, Lord, what are you trying to tell me? I haven't heard from you in a while. I don't know if you've been speaking. I don't know if I've been drowning you out. I don't know if I've been rocking out too much. I don't know if I've been busy trying to make money or trying to do this or what. What is it that you would have for me? Is there something that you're trying to tell me? And if not, is there something that you need to tell me? Some of you are maybe deciding on a life partner. And you want things. I mean, it has to be this, this, and this. Here, let me, let me share let me share with you guys a, an insight into my, into my relationship. Sorry, babe. I knew Sarah several years before I was even considering being with this girl. I was in a church. She was already there. She wasn't my type. Not that she wasn't. Nothing that I saw physically. My ways were not God's ways. Nothing that I had in my own vision or in my own dreams or in my own selfish ways would connect me to this woman. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. And for years, I chased everything else that I wanted. And then one day, it all clicked. I realized that if I am here because of everything that I've done... Where would I be if I did it God's way? I took literally inventory. I said, okay, so the girls I was chasing, that didn't work. The things I was chasing, that didn't work. Uh, whether it was income I was chasing. I was in an industry making $200 an hour. I haven't worked since. And God says, listen, you're not doing it my way. This is your way. And I'm going to change that for you. So whether it's your marriage, your occupation, whatever it is, if you don't do it God's way, there will be destruction, there will be delay, and there will be distance. And I could tell you firsthand experience, whether it's what we're going through right now or how I met this woman, because there's not a woman in... I am, I am completely assured that there's not a single woman on this planet that could go through what she did with me, with the love, the encouragement, and the passion that she has. I know you guys think I'm perfect and cool, but I am not, man. 
I am not. I am nothing but drama. I want things my way. I am an old middle-aged chubby Egyptian who's so selfish sometimes and wants to do things his way and to think this woman has stood by me, prayed for me, prayed for God's will to intercede and I, and I can tell you right now that I walked into that church and for several years never looked a second way towards her. But that's the woman that God used. Woo. Leads me to my second point. God's ways are not your ways. I'll tell you that right now. Period, point blank. Your thoughts, God's thoughts, are not your thoughts. You do not think like him. You do not understand him. And we rarely even understand his ways. I'll tell you somebody who did. Turn with me to Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 1. We're going to do a little bit of reading. And then I will land this plane very soon. I think it was uh, the second week, a new dream. Pastor shared a lot of this scripture. And unbeknownst to me, well, actually, I knew I was filling in, but I didn't know what this, this was going to be part of my word. Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 1. Let's start there. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hekeli, it came to pass in the mouth of Chislev in the 20th year as I was in Shushan, the citadel that Hanani, one of my brethren, came with men from Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped, who had survived the captivity and conquering Jerusalem. And they said to me, the survivors who are left from captivity in the providence are there in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down, and its gates are burned with fire. So it was when I heard these words that I sat down and I wept, and I mourned for many days. I was fasting and I was praying before the God of heaven. And I said, I pray, Lord, God of heaven, O great and awesome God, you who keep your covenant and mercy with those who you love and observe your commandments, please let your ear be attentive. Again, begging God to listen to him and your eyes be open that you may hear the prayer of your servant, which I pray before you now, day and night for the children of Israel, your servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Both my father's house and I have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you. Have not we have not kept the commandments, the statutes, nor the ordinance which you commanded your servant Moses. Remember, I pray the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though some of you were cast out to the farthest parts of the heaven, yet I will gather you from there and bring them to the place which I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. Now, these are your servants and are your people, whom you've redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. O Lord, I pray, please let your ear be attentive to the prayers of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who desire to fear your name. Let your servant prosper this day, I pray, and grant mercy in the sight of this man, in the sight of this man, for I was the king's cupbearer. I'm going to keep going. 
And it came to pass in the month of Nisan, chapter 2, in the 20th year of King Zertz uh, Artaskis, when wine was before him, that I took the wine and gave it to the king. Now we all understand, and Nehemiah just said it in the last verse of chapter 1, that he was a cupbearer for the king. Basically somebody who tasted and drank everything before he gave to the king. Verse 2 says, Therefore the king said to me, Why is your face sad since you are not sick? i got to stop right here. When the world understands that something's wrong and you're not sick, that means you're having an impact on the world. This king knew something was wrong with Nehemiah, his own cupbearer, and he wasn't sick. He's like, wait, this is not normal. This guy's always full of hope. This guy's always full of joy. This guy's always full of praise. This guy's always, always happy. This guy's always content. What's wrong? You're not sick. How crazy is that? You know you're impacting the world when they can see that your countenance has fell. Therefore the king said to me, why is your face sad? You're not sick. This is nothing but sorrow of the heart. So I became dreadfully afraid and said to the king, May the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my father's tombs, lies waste? He's talking about Jerusalem and how the walls are down and the gates are being burned. Then the king said to me in verse 4, What do you request? So I prayed to the God of heaven and I said to the king, If it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in your sight, I ask that you send me to Judah to the city of my father's tombs that I may rebuild it. Then the king said to me, The queen also sitting beside him, How long will your journey be? And when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me and I set him a time. Furthermore, I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let the letters be given to me for the governors of the region beyond the river, that they must permit me to pass through till I come to Judah. He's basically asking the king, can you set my way straight? I've prayed to God, I've asked your permission, and I'm asking you to set it straight for me. When Salabas, the Horonite, and Tobiah, the Am Ammonite officials, heard of it, they were deeply disturbed that a man had come to seek the well-being of the children of Israel. So I came to Jerusalem. I was there three days. Then I arose in the night and a few men with me. I told no one what my God had put in my heart to do, to do at Jerusalem, nor was there any animal with me except the one on which I rode. And I went out by night through the valley gate to the serpent well and the refuse gate and viewed the walls of Jerusalem, which were broken down and its gates were burned with fire. Then I went on to the fountain gate and to the king's pool, but there was no room for the animal under me to pass. So I went up in the night by the valley and viewed the wall. Then I turned back and entered by the valley gate and so returned. Verse 16, the officials did not know where I had gone or what I had done. I had not yet told the Jews, the priests, the nobles, the officials, or the others who did the work. Then I said to them, you see the distress that you're in? How Jerusalem lies waste and its gates are burned with fire. Come and let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be at reproach. And I told them of the hand of my God, which had been good upon me, and also the king's words that he had spoken to me. So they said, let us rise up and build. Then they set their hands to this good work. But when the Sanabalt, the Horonite, Tobiah, the Ammonite official, and Geshem, the Arab, heard of it, they laughed at us and despised us and said, what is that thing that you are doing? Will you rebel against the king? 
So I answered and said to them, The God of heaven himself will prosper us. Therefore, we, his servants, will arise and build, but you have no heritage or right or memorial in Jerusalem. I know it's a lot of scripture. But I'm trying to get you to understand when you do things God's way, when you pray about things, when you plan, you begin to ask favor from leadership, from kings, from city officials, from the elected, whatever the case may be, God begins to open a way that you have no idea of what he's doing. You, have, you will be surprised at how he does it, when he does it, and the way he does it. This is proof that not only Nehemiah had favor from God from the get-go, but he was always above reproach in the midst of the king. I told you, there's three things that you get when you do it God's way. There's freedom, fruitfulness, and a future. Nehemiah got instant freedom from the king. All he had to do was tell him when he was going to get back. That's all the king asked. When will you get back? After he asked him, what's wrong with you? You're not sick. Nehemiah's heart drops. The king sees this and says, what's, what's the matter? And he says, my people, my city. The king's like, what do you want? What's your request? Verse 8 literally says, the king asks, what's your request? What can I do for you? That's freedom in the form of God's anointing because he's doing it God's way. That's a future for the city. As the story goes on, not only is there freedom for Nehemiah, but there's fruitfulness for all the people and the walls that are being rebuilt in Jerusalem. Do you understand towards the end of the story, there's, they're being attacked and one is holding a trowel. We did some cement work at the house. We're trying to get it ready to, to leave. So Isaac learned about cement and bricklaying and masonry today or yesterday. But... Can you imagine me holding a spear and Isaac laying bricks down? That's the picture in Jerusalem with Nehemiah and the favor and the future that he has and the fruitfulness that's coming from doing it God's way. I cannot stress to you that the freedom, the fruitfulness, and your future all depend on doing it God's way. If you still have a pen handy, write this down. We had some more bad news come to us yesterday, and that's okay. It is what it is. It's part of, part of life. Um, I heard on the message, I think at week one when we weren't here, pastor saying, listen, we're Christians. We're going to suffer. It is what it is. I can, do it, I can handle it two ways. I can do it my way or do it God's way. But you know what God told me last night when we got this bad news? Write this down. He said, I am accountable, fully accountable for those that are fully committed. Amen. That was my response. Complete silence. I am fully accountable for those that are fully committed. Do you know when you are faithful and obedient that it's God's responsibility for your future? Amen. When you fully commit, everything now relies on God. 
you've taken yourself out of it. You just changed lanes. Can you see where I'm going? When you fully commit to God, God is fully responsible for your future, your freedom, and your fruitfulness. Man, if you cannot grasp that, I don't know if I can help you anymore by saying that. It is very difficult to do anything of worth in your walk with Christ, getting closer to God, fulfilling your ministry, being a part of your purpose, being loved unconditionally, knowing that God knows the beginning from the end, knowing that he's omnipotent, omnipresent, and that he has a will and loves you unconditionally and has a purpose for you, but you still want to do things your way. Then you cannot blame God for it. then that is your ways. Those are your thoughts, not his. Because the moment you're fully committed, he's fully responsible. Mm. I think I might write that down. <laughs> Man, lastly, I'm going to share this one story with you. This person, uh, his life illustrates doing it both ways. And it's a perfect example, not only to to kind of land this message and land the plane, but for everybody to be able to grasp that there's hope for you. Just because you've done it God's way for 25 years, you can do it, God, I mean, just because you've done it your way for 25 years, you can do it God's, for, God's way for 25 minutes. Uh, RJ selected these songs, and he, he knew I was preaching, but we didn't talk about what we were singing. One of the songs is, and I don't know what song is closer, you can love me more in a moment than I could love in a lifetime. Do you know if you do God's, if you do things God's way, he can do more in a moment than you could do in a lifetime. Later for the carpool, we're talking super speed. <laughs> You do things God's way, he'll bring that person that you don't think is exactly, that meets your standards, but she will be the, the appointed woman of God for your life. If you do think God's way, he will, he will put you in a position to succeed financially, and he will put you in a position to be fruitful. I just gave you two examples. He will put you in a position to have hope for your future. You know, when Pastor Vaughn was sharing on Wednesday about uh, none of them had, had, witnessed, had witnessed their faith come to fruition here on earth, the book of faith in Hebrews chapter 11, it talks about all of them having future, having a hope for the future. God could do so much more in a moment than any one of us can do in a lifetime. And you still want to do things your way. Pastor asks you to do something Differently. Oh, that's not what we do it. We always vacuum the sanctuary first. Then we go upstairs. And it's, it's, like, a, it's like a ruffling of feathers. Your wife didn't crease your shirts for you. And all of a sudden, you've got a, a wild hair because your creases are not the way it is. I mean, so many of us are stuck in, a, in, in this rut that everything has to be done our way. But if you look at the fruitfulness, the future, and the favor from doing your, your things your way, it doesn't match up to what God has for you. And the greatest, the greatest of all this is the moment you are fully committed, he's fully responsible. 
you could take that burden. That's why he says, come to me, all you who are heavy laden. Come on. Can you see where I'm going? This is, this is where the peace comes from. We talk about Wednesday night. What comes first, righteousness or peace? Well, peace comes after righteousness because you've taken the righteousness of Christ onto you. And now you have hope for the future, which gives you peace. Do you see the order? It's time to change lanes. It's time to do things God's way. A new way forward, we've got to do it a new way. Freedom, fruitfulness, and a future. This person, his name is mentioned 699 times in the Old Testament, 79 times in the New Testament. Here's a man whose, whose life characterizes both success and failures. And the whole purpose of my message today, to show you the life of someone who did it both ways. And when he did it God's way, God used the most inconspicuous man possible to do perhaps the greatest thing in history. Turn with me to Genesis. Sorry, Exodus chapter 2. Close. Next book over. Exodus chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 8. Say amen when you get there. I started by telling you we all have two choices. No matter what situation or circumstance we have or what we're facing... You've got two choices to respond. You've got two ways. You could do it God's way. You could do it your way. Verse 8. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, So the maiden went and called her child's mother. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. And the child grew, and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. So she called his name Moses saying, Because I drew him out of the water. Now it came to pass in those days, when Moses was grown, he went out to his brethren and looked at their burdens and saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. I don't know if this is the first instance of MMA, but we're talking about the people of Israel beating, being in bondage to, to the greatest nation prior to the Roman Empire. And when he went out, so he looked this way and looked that way, verse 12. And when he saw no one, let me tell you, that's a, that is a huge clue that you're doing things God's way when you start looking around. You're not a child. You know what I'm talking about. About to grab that now and later off the counter. You're looking around where mom and dad is. You know exactly what I mean. You want to give a wink to the girl that's driving a nice car next to you and you're looking around to see if there's anybody around. You know you're not doing it God's way. That's the first clue you're not doing God's way. And Moses right here, seeing an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, is looking around and saying, I'm about to do something crazy right now. Verse 12, so he looked this way and looked that way. And when he saw no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. And when he went out the second day, behold, two Hebrew men were fighting. And he said to them, one, who did the wrong? Why are you striking your companion? So now he sees two Hebrews, two of his own people from the adoption age. Remember, now he's, he's an Egyptian by adoption. 
He murders an Egyptian for striking a Hebrew. Now he sees two Hebrews fighting and says, hey, who's that wrong? One of them turns to him and says, why? Who called you to be a prince and a judge? Are you going to kill me like you did the Egyptian? Moses says, whoa, I thought I looked this way. I thought I looked that way. I didn't think anybody saw. He got scared. Bible tells us, and he went out the second day. Behold, two Hebrew men were fighting, and he said to them, Who did the wrong? Why are you striking your companion? One of the Hebrews says, Who made you prince and judge over us? Do you intend to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? So Moses feared and said, Surely this thing is known. When Pharaoh heard of this matter, he sought to kill Moses, but Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh. Do you see a delay in Moses' future? Absolutely. You see the destruction that's coming from Moses doing it his own way when he killed the Egyptian? And now you see distance. Now he runs. He ends up in Midian. He ends up by a well, fleeing from Pharaoh. Here's the adopted son of Pharaoh, and he's running. All of us are adopted in Christ. Which one of you are running? Now the priest of Medan had several daughters, and they came and drew water, and they filled the troughs to water their father's flock. Real quick, I want to focus on one thing. When Pharaoh heard of this matter, he sought to kill Moses, but Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land. Here's the distance of Midian, and he sat down by, by a well. Moses feared and said, surely they found me out. Do you know that God doesn't give you a spirit of fear? So if you feel fear, do you know what? And I'm not talking about that little inemotional or a little bit of anxiety of trying something new or anything. A true spirit of fear. I'm telling you right now, if you sense that, you're not in God's will and you're not doing God's way. The Bible tells me that not only will he give you a plan and a purpose, but a spirit and a desire to fill that plan, and to fulfill that purpose. You mean to tell me that the omnipotent, omnipresent God is not going to be completely prepared for me when I take that step of faith? Come on now. I have never read in the Word of God where God said, ooh, I didn't think that was going to happen. You can't throw a surprise party to him. I'm trying to share with you right now Moses' opportunity from going from delay, destruction, and distance to what he has for a future. See, Moses began doing things his way. He killed the Egyptian that struck the Hebrew. Pharaoh finds out about it. He flees. He's completely out of God's will. Completely away from doing things God's way. He's not moving forward. 2 Timothy 1.7, the Bible tells us, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. If you would, I'm going to bring this to an end. I'm going to share with you how Moses goes from 
doing his way. Going to doing things God's way. The favor, the future, and the fruitfulness. Exodus chapter 3. The succeeding chapter after Moses flees. Verse 1. Now Moses was tending the the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Harob, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire, the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called him to do it his way. God is calling you to do it your way. Don't be afraid of the burning bush. He said, Moses, Moses. Moses' reply, here I am. God said, do not draw near to this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people, which Moses witnessed personally, who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down. Man, can you imagine God coming down to move for you? You better have your sandals off. Don't get too close to the fire, but he will. He'll come down for you. Now therefore behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? So he said, I will certainly be with you. Listen, when you do things God's ways, he will always be with you. This guy was running from Egypt, was running from the Pharaoh, and now God says, go back and deliver your people from Egypt. When you do things God's ways, it is going to be difficult, it's going to be challenging, you're not going to understand it, and it sure won't be easy, because that's not how God works. Those are your telltale signs that you're in God's will. Those are your telltale signs that you're in the right lane. Not when you're looking around to see if anybody's watching. Not when you're running and hiding. Let me finish up. Verse 12. So he said, I will certainly be with you, and this shall be a sign to you that I've sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, Say this. I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Moreover, 
Last verse, God said to Moses, Thus you shall say that to the children of Israel, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial to all generations. When you start doing things God's way, there will be fruitfulness, there will be future, and... <clears throat> excuse me. And there will be freedom. All of you are thinking right now, how is God going to use me? He just used a stuttering man with a stick to free an entire nation that was under bondage, perhaps at, at the greatest time in history, the strongest nation in the world. And he used a stuttering man with a stick. And you don't think he can bring water out of a rock for you? And you don't think he can restore your marriage? And you don't think that he can give you the job you desire? And you don't think that he can give you a plan and a hope for your future? And you want to doubt this life partner that he's put in front of you? And you want to doubt your future? Come on! When God's willing to, to use you, understand that he will use the most inconspicuous things in your life to do the most miraculous. God is fully responsible for those who are fully committed. He is fully responsible for those who say, I am all yours. He says, good, now you're all mine. I am fully responsible for your future. You give your life to Christ, your future has been decided. He is fully responsible for everything. If you can walk in his way and stay in his will. Man, sometimes it's just a matter of trusting. Moses is like, I can't talk. It, God goes on and says, don't worry, I'm going to send Aaron with you. He'll speak for you. I'll even tell you what to say. And he's like, wait a minute. Well, how, how's this going to happen? Uh, not even an army could have freed these people. And God used a stuttering man with a stick and some locusts and changed the river from water to blood. Man, when you do it God's way, there is no limitation. No limitation. The angel of death came down to Egypt. All because of Moses. He went from doing things his way and fleeing, and there's delay in his life and destruction, and now he's created distance to God, to all of a sudden meeting God at the burning bush, standing on holy ground, taking off his sandals, and saying, here I am. God called him, and that, that was Moses' response. Some of you just have to say, here I am. Don't think of anything else to say. Just say, here I am. Don't say, yes, Lord, is that you? Don't question nothing because you just allow the enemy to come in and just start putting doubt in your mind. Just say, here I am. Amen. If we could just see through what God is requiring of us to see what he has in store for us. Can you picture that? If you could see through what God is requiring of you, then you can see what he has in store for you. That tells me is don't think about today. Don't think about tomorrow. Don't think about the future. God has that. He even tells us that tomorrow's worry has its own worries. 
church, as we grow, as we go into a new season, as we begin to move forward, we've got to do things God's way. Do you realize that there's no risk in doing God's way? The only risk is, is if you're going to do it your way. That's it. That's the only risk. Don't get me wrong. The love of God and the grace of God can stop you from doing things your way and kind of intercede and he kind of bumps you into the carpool lane. You know what I mean. Sometimes there's an accident in life or a spin out or whatever it might be, but God will get you into his way sometimes. And then there's the other option. You're so focused on yourself and your ways, you miss the exit. You know what that exit is? Flee from me, I never knew you. I challenge you today. God's ways are risk-free. I don't know if you guys understand, but he's undefeated. I've read the end of this. We win. You don't have to worry about that. Things in life might be tough. Things might get hard. There might be a little tragedy. There might be some serious illness. That's okay. Your future is decided. When you do things God's way, there'll be a future for you. There will be fruitfulness. just want to remind you that God can do more in a moment than any of us can do in a lifetime. And if you're looking for freedom, if you're looking for fruitfulness, and if you're looking for a future, you've got to do it God's way. I can't tell you any other way. I don't have the answers other than that. There's this cool song. I don't know what it is. I have the answer to every question. It's just Jesus. Whatever your question is, it's Jesus. I assure you it's Jesus. It's the risk-free God. It's the God that used the stuttering man with the stick to free an entire nation. Armies couldn't come in, in, into Egypt. Listen, you know what's crazy? Is at some point in time, God supersedes your expectation, has gone above and beyond, has given you a wife that'll care for not even her own children like she does her own children, will give you a wife to... to to love on a man who is hurting for years because of this emotional stress. I've had this experience lately, physically, and it has rolled into other aspects of my life. And there's really three aspects to all of our lives. We've got a physical, emotional, and a spiritual. And if those are not all in good working order, some of them will struggle. And it could be in a lane. Sometimes you might be real fruitful in your ministry. You might be real fruitful in spiritually. You may be overcommitted in your ministry, overcommitted in, uh, in your service to the Lord to where your family struggles or to where you're emotionally, you emotionally struggle. Or maybe even your personal relationship struggles with Christ because you're too busy thinking that you're doing what God wants you to do because you're doing things for the church. You've got to have balance in all of it, physically, spiritually, emotionally. And when I'm down for two years and recovering from a, from a surgery, my, my physical ability is obviously in recovery mode. But what struggles is my spiritual walk. Yeah. 
and my emotional walk. Why? Because I'm unable to physical, be physical. I can't get up in the morning, see God's creation. I can't walk. I can't. I, I'm I'm so overwhelmed with with this and this. And some of you are injured spiritually, so you struggle physically. Some of you are injured emotionally, so you struggle spiritually and physically. I have the answer to every question. It's Jesus. Start doing things God's way and he will restore all of that for you. The most amazing thing about this story is not that this stuttering man with a stick freed an entire nation from, e from Egypt. Dude, they escorted him out. They, they carried the jewels and their diamonds and their jewelry and gave them presents and said, Go! They were done with what God was doing against them. Their firstborn, the blood, the locusts, the hail, all these crazy things that were happening because one man was faithful and willing to do things God's way, freed an entire generation. In fact, they got escorted out of the country. And when you do things God's way, here's the greatest part. You could sit back with your Arnold Palmer Look across the sea and see God's deliverance. Did you know that there was Egyptians flowing in the Red Sea after Israel crossed? Chariots, bodies everywhere. And the Egyptian, and this is, this is the first worship that occurs in Exodus, is when Moses and the people of Israel look back at the sea, see all these Egyptians floating, God has delivered them. You know what they do? They worship. First service, first worship service documented in the Bible. Read it, Exodus chapter 11. They start singing. They're shaking their tambourines. There's blood, there's body, and these guys have been freed because of one man with a stick who couldn't speak well was used by God because he was willing to do it God's way. Are you? Are you willing to accept that person? Are you willing to accept that job? Are you willing to accept that challenge? Are you willing to say, Lord, I'm going to be fully, account fully committed, so I'm going to make you fully responsible? Talk about walking in freedom. Talking about living in freedom, saying, hey, listen, I've fully committed to Christ, so what other happens is on him. That's it. I've had to struggle for several years, physically, spiritually, and emotionally, and I'm barely getting to that point saying, Lord, it is what it is. I even got more bad news yesterday, and I told you, and he literally spoke to me and said, listen, I am fully accountable for those who are fully committed. So I just sat back and enjoyed, enjoyed this barbecue that this neighborhood gave us. Most of the entire neighborhood don't know the Lord, We've invited them, we've prayed for them, we've given them wisdom, we've offered FPU, we've done what, all these things, and they just came together. The world, the world ushering out Christ-like neighbors from one neighborhood to the other. Why? Nothing we did. And if it was anything we did, well, that house would have burned down. But because we did it God's way, we impacted people outside this church. And it's only by default. And don't kid yourself, I, it wasn't my plan. But God's grace and his mercy endures forever. So he says, Ray, I'm going to honor you. I'm going to honor the family. 
You guys have tried to do things the right way. I know you veered a little bit, turned the blinker on, come over to the lane, swerved a little bit, but you've always come back. And if God could use us to impact a neighborhood, if God could use Moses, a stuttering man with a stick, to free a nation, what could he do with you? When you say, I'm fully, account uh, fully committed, Lord, you're going to be fully responsible. Take over my ministry, take over my marriage, take over my engagement, take over my, my life, my health, whatever the case may be. My future has been decided, and I want fruitfulness here. I want a future, Father God, and I want favor. And your word tells me that if I'm fully committed, you're fully responsible. love you to visit our church at 451 West Lambert Road, Suite 204 in the city of Brea. Our service times are Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. For more information, please visit our website at www.thewaybrea.com or you can download our church app by visiting your app store and searching The Way Brea. Be blessed.